This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, a flying duo set upon this earth to save the earth, Kara Shamborski. Hey. And Renee Rodriguez. You're all doomed. We're all doomed. You know, <laughs> you got up there before me, Renee. God damn it. <laughs> They're here to save us. Listen, you guys, we've been off for the month of July, and it has been a stupendous month full of amazing minisodes. I feel like I miss this show more than any year but in the past when we've done a break. Uh, something about not having that Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon ritual to sit down in front of the microphone has been something that is I've missed quite a bit. I, fortunately, I had my good friend Danny from the Next Issue podcast. We were recording this series called Candy Bar Antler Boy. If you didn't get a chance to check that out, that's all in the main feed. I'm sure you saw it. Go watch Sweet Tooth. Go listen to that show. Man, I have I've just been out of my mind not knowing what to do. My Sundays and my whole month of July was just thrown off not having this show. So I'm so excited to be back. I can't express it enough. I'm going to say at the top of the show and at the middle of the show before we take our break, we do have an interview that's going to drop in the middle of this episode with our good friend Gabe Cheng, who's running a Kickstarter right now for his book for Molly. Issue number four is currently in the process of getting funded. So check out the link in our description or the show notes for this show. But anyways, I'm here to talk about comic books with my two good friends, Kara and Renee. I'm so excited to be talking with the both of you today. So let's just jump right into it. I've got legally mandated questions. We're so close to episode 300. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself, but let's talk about comic books today. So how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Renee. Uh, I have been tired. tired. I've been so tired. and uh, You and everybody in America. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So, you know, but along with that... You know, I guess there's always the read and the read in the read. We are one in the read. We are calm. I see. I sound like I'm starting a cult. You um, really yeah, do. What is happening? I'm really wondering where you're going with this, man. <laughs> like I said, off the cuff, no preparation. Okay. okay. Everything okay. is 100% insanity. And I'm glad mm-hmm, that you're mm-hmm. here for it, listeners. Um, anyways, what I, I decided to go out on a branch and read some Western comics instead of manga. Oh my um, god. What? What? Stop Who the presses, are you? What everybody. have you done with Renee? Renee, know, what did some, you read? Some, you know, blonde-headed, red-bearded guy oh. kept giving me <laughs> shit about only reading manga all the time. So to stick it to him, I decided to read Daredevil Volume 1. Uh, <laughs> that way we can just sort of move past all the meanness and move forward in our friendship mm. you know mm. wow it's um, true about... spite is a great motivator yeah <laughs> and you know i'm very flattered that you think that my die job is natural renee <laughs> <laughs> it looked natural you know i just Thank thought you. you willed it into existence you know yes, yes. I, thought, I, I don't know if you know this mike but i have been under the assumption this entire time through our 10 years of friendship 10 plus years that you are magic so and anyway, true back to i got Daredevil. you to read western comics so you know yeah <laughs> yeah so what did you think of the comics well here's the, here's the thing first off i saw the real reason that i read this was actually that i saw that electra became daredevil and so in preparation of that i didn't want to just dive into electra being daredevil mm-hmm. i was like what's the story here how did this happen i want to know everything about this because it sounds so damn cool uh, so I started with Daredevil Volume 1, which is the Chip Zdarsky run uh, with artists by Marco. I think this is Chichetto. Mm-hmm. Uh, colorist Sonny Go. Correct. Okay. Letter Clayton Cowles. Yeah. Um, 
It's Clayton Coles, actually. Son of a bitch! <laughs> this is why we have our pronunciation guide on yes. our IRCB website. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clayton Coles, I apologize. I liked your lettering, though. I really did. No bullshit. So, Daredevil, Volume 1. Pretty interesting. Also, apparently, I need to go back even further, because apparently Daredevil got hit by a bus or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been in recovery, and then he's trying to be Daredevil again, and it does not go well. Also, Wilson Fisk is the mayor now. And also, apparently, at one time, Daredevil was the mayor. So, that a lot of questions. But... I enjoyed myself all the way through this volume and I realized that I really do love Daredevil, even though there's some like trophy stuff in there and there's some things that I didn't really care for anymore in my comics. I still found myself really, really enjoying this book and I'm glad that I bought it and I'm going to keep reading, you know, even, even though I have the goal of trying to get to the Electra Daredevil, I think I would keep reading it anyways because I find it mm-hmm. actually very, very interesting. So Chip Zdarsky, you got me again. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, thank you. I've heard that this run, as well as the the run that was by Charles Soule right before this, were both fantastic. Um, are both really, really good Daredevil runs. So, you know, if you want more modern Daredevil, I mean, those are probably two good runs to read. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to keep going back. You know. Yeah. I think I read the first volume of the Charles Soule one, and I was like, but Daredevil's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> like i really tried like i watched this two seasons of the netflix thing i saw the uh-huh. the ben affleck movie whatever and i tried yeah. reading the comics and i'm like i get it he's catholic he's blind he can still fight good like i don't what why is there nothing why is there never anything else can we acknowledge though that the ben affleck daredevil movie has a bitchin soundtrack we yes we know we all <laughs> yeah. know we all well, have there bring is, me to life in my in our heads now there is a potential future on this show where we do actually dig into some of those old marvel movies so let's just uh, let's also, just put a pin in that but we'll i just want to say i just want to say michael clark duncan as wilson fisk oh top tier i'm glad that movie was made for nothing else yeah Anyways, although when I was reading Daredevil Volume 1, I read Wilson Fisk's voice as the the voice actor from the uh, 90s animated uh, show. The Spider-Man show? Yeah, yeah. That, that's, okay. that's Wilson Fisk's voice in my head. I can see that, yeah, yeah. Always, eternally. Also, Spider-Man makes a cameo, so what up? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my boy. Um, the other thing that I read was uh, Young B, The Invincible, Volume 1, and... Uh, this one is a manhwa, not a manga. So this is mm-hmm. from Korea. Story by Kiwoon Ryu and art by Jung Woo Moon. At least I think that's how you pronounce it. Saw a couple different variations of it, but those are the names that are on the graphic novel. Uh, so that's what we're saying. And this, I actually started reading this series because I started reading a webtoon called Gosu, which is the sequel to Young Be the Invincible. And there was apparently a bunch of stuff that I was like, oh, uh, I, I guess these people are people that I should know or who they are or something that's important about this. And I read through all of Gosu in like two weeks dude, and was like, well, you know, I had to work and stuff. So. No, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm looking at the preview for this. And oh, my God, the art is incredible in this it's book. It's incredible. It's great. So I, I bought volume one as soon as I was done with Gosu. And mm-hmm. I was like, let's get to business. And I really like it. It's got some stuff that's a little bit outdated and all that, like it, you know anything sure. that's kind of older is. But I really do like the art and the fight, 
the fighting is really cool. So yeah, I guess I, I'm gonna keep uh, reading. But uh, other than that, you know, but no, uh, no manga outside of because last week there was there wasn't even any weekly chapters. So yeah. I am so proud of you for expanding <laughs> <laughs> your boundaries, your vision, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> your <laughs> cultural footprint. I don't even know. <laughs> Good for you, Renee. All we're saying, yeah, we're we're all just very proud of you, Xander. Like you can I've just never... drop in a round of applause here. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. It's not like I've never read a Western book. Before. No, I, I know, I know. <laughs> speaking of tropes, um, yeah, Kara. Speaking of of tropes and things, um, what have you been reading recently, and how have you been? How have I been? Well, um, I I lost a fight to a carousel horse last night. And I'm so. Oh, <laughs> I have so many questions. Um, and I have the bruise to prove it. There's like, there's actually a bruise on my arm. Is I, it like a horse-shaped print on your arm? Because that would be just comedically no. perfect. No, I went. I, I was like, it's it's summer. We're a lot of most people around here are vaccinated. Parks are outdoors. Oh, look, a carousel. Let me have an iconic summer night mm-hmm, mm-hmm. at at a midway tried to get onto the carousel horse and like classic vintage this horse has definitely is definitely older than i am and i forgot what happens when physics works against you and Mm -hmm. you try to hoist your body over something taller than you when you do not work out regularly oh no so there i am with like i'm like bent double over this carousel horse trying to like swing my leg over it and i realized that if i like elbow around its neck to like leverage that then i could sort of like squirm onto the seat this is like the most embarrassing moment of my summer and then i realized that its ear was digging into my arm like really hard mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway i got on the horse the ride was magical i felt like i was in a herd of stallions across the plains and got to forget about reality for a few seconds and just be mm-hmm. my authentic horse girl self as a child. Um, but I woke up this morning and I do have a bruise <laughs> where I was trying to get on board. It's, it's just... Respect. <laughs> you know what? You got on that horse. <laughs> Once you fall off that horse, you get right back up and you beat right. that horse. I did fall off that horse the first time and I did <laughs> get back on it. All right, so so keeping in the theme of the intersection between adulthood and childhood, mm-hmm. <laughs> the book that I read this week. So I really, really love the um the itty bitty books from Art Baltazar and Franco. Uh, I got into them like oh god when did they start in the mid 2000s with the tiny titan series for dc mm-hmm. when they were like mm-hmm. all right we're gonna take the teen titans because they were like i think there were like three titans books going at that time that's when i was spending a lot of money for dc comics and so this was like it's the teen titans but they're tiny and cute and we're gonna tell like little stories about the teen titans but through the format of like a kid's comic book that a kid like all ages would find fun but if you are reading these other comics you get all these easter eggs about the characters and plots that are going on in the other comics so it's like this extra level of of getting to enjoy series that you already like and since then because that was so popular they've been doing this kind of itty bitty take on lots of popular 
comic book characters, all in kind of the same style, all in kind of the same type of format, but the the characters change. So I revisited Itty Bitty Hellboy, which was was purchased a few years ago during my very intense Hellboy phase when that's literally all I was reading. And the this is one of those books where it's it's super cute if you just want like a fun all ages book to read on a summer weekend but also you really need to know a lot about hellboy in order to understand like kind of what's going on with the characters because even just the first issue is here's all the bad guys you've ever met and here's like a whole squad of good guys and did are you sure you read all of hellboy because we're gonna throw in people you haven't thought about in a while and you're just like (laughs) like you're having a fun romp through the backyard and the main plot is you're trying to get a refrigerator box for your backyard fort which is adorable but also i know there's references in here that i'm missing because i haven't it's been like a minute since i read a hellboy comic I did greatly enjoy uh, a few a few issues into this series that um, even if you're not uh, an avid reader of Hellboy, you have probably come across the name Baba Yaga at some point if you have read anything remotely related to Eastern European or Russian folklore. Baba Yaga is like the witch in Russian uh, folklore and lives in a house on chicken legs and uh, is like responsible for all the like magic and weird stuff and she's kind of like the the boogeyman equivalent for a, a lot of that part of the world and the baba yaga shows up as a character in hellboy but in itty bitty hellboy she shows up as a character where itty bitty hellboy like hellboy likes pancakes this is canon and so mm-hmm. a lot of the plot of this book revolves around hellboy making pancakes in different scenarios in different locales so he makes a pancake and then he just like I'll randomly runs up to Baba Yaga, who's like bopping around this neighborhood in a little bucket. <laughs> and he's like, Baba Yaga, make my pancake bigger. And he just keeps yelling at her to make the pancake bigger until she magics the pancake to be like the size of a truck, essentially. And so everyone, so all the kids are like freaking out over how big this pancake is. And then as children do, then they just go, can you make my potato chip bigger? Can you make my shoes bigger? Like just a litany of demands. And she gets so uh-huh, annoyed uh-huh. that she sends them all to hell where Hellboy realizes oh. that he can make more pancakes because it's hotter down there. <laughs> okay. I, the, now I understand why my nephew loves this book. Oh, if you would like some delight in your day and you are a fan of Hellboy, please consider reading Itty Bitty Hellboy if you haven't already. Renee's losing it over there. Um, I will say it's 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 funny that you you said that like you need all these references because like I said, my nephew who at the time I think was like eight read mm-hmm. this and he loved it and he would read it all the time. Now that may just be because he was eight and there was nothing else to read or because his very cool uncle Mike gave it to him, but yeah. still he loved I- it. He he talks to me about it to this day. I, I think it's like fun visually. I'm not saying like, oh, a child could never understand this because they haven't read all of Lobster Johnson. Like, no. As an adult reading it, does it give me an extra little like tickle of joy to say like, oh, that's Lobster Johnson. Look at that. He's just trying to talk to his lobster pal and get through the mm-hmm. town and everyone's just bothering him about eating pancakes. So it's like, if you are a fan of the book, I think you enjoy it on an extra level. But gotcha. it is yeah. a genuinely good all ages comic. The plots revolve around this neighborhood stuff. You pick up that these characters have various superpowers. There's a lot that revolves around the socially awkward um, homunculus Roger um, taking off his like metal 
he's got like a i don't even like they call it underwear and that's essentially what it is so he's just like wandering <laughs> okay. around as a naked homunculus and there there's a this like revolving plot point about different characters unsuspectingly like wearing his underwear as like a hat or like as swim trunks and then finding out that it's his underwear and freaking out and it's like of course kids would find this amazing this is mm-hmm. like peak mm-hmm. peak child humor but again all ages different levels I enjoyed it as as a Hellboy fan and also somebody who has been slowly regressing further into childhood the further into this pandemic we get. But, you know, there's a lot <laughs> yeah. here for a lot of different people. Right, right. <laughs> well, that's good. At least you can you're able to find something nice to just hide your your mind away in for a minute, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. How about you, Mike? Well, I uh like I said, this July has been all over the place. I feel like I've I've been reading a lot of comic books because uh, well, I did. I did take a trip to Vermont, which was nice. Just like driving up to go see a friend and his like plot of land in the middle of nowhere, which was nice. And cool. that was a fun little just get away from everything. But I did read a lot of comic books. Specifically, I read all of Attack on Titan. Um, I read. I started. I started on June 29th, and I read all the way through like a week and a half ago. I read all 34 volumes of Attack on Titan, which what? means that I had to. Yeah. 34 volumes, which like, Renee, I know you're not impressed, but it is impressive, okay? Actually, I wasn't. Um, I actually was impressed, Mike. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, so I read all... You. I was very... <laughs> so I read all of Attack on Titan, which is great. Uh, this is by Hajami... Uh, is, is, oh my God, I practiced this before, I promise. Um, Haj- I'm never going to say it right. I read Hajime. Attack on Titan. Hajime, thank you. Isayama. Um, I don't know what else to say about this other than it being a whirlwind of interesting and boring comics all mixed together in a way with uh, that means that without the boring ones, there couldn't be interesting ones. Without the bad issues, there couldn't be the good issues. And I really think this this series excels in its ability to mix things up without stretching itself too far beyond the realm of possibility within its own established world. You know, the, the crux of Attack on Titan, I'm sure you've probably seen since the story came out almost a decade ago, there are these people that live inside walls, um, a walled-off world where the world has ended because all of humanity has been killed by these titans um, that seem to haphazardly kind of attack these walls, but they're too small to actually breach it. And in the first chapter, this humongous colossal titan is what they call it, over 100 meters tall, kicks a hole in this wall on the outside of this world of this kingdom where people live, um, which causes massive devastation. Um, and it's extremely violent and ex- extremely like stressful and anxiety ridden. Um, all the way that all the characters kind of live their lives, everyone is constantly on edge. And really, the whole book is kind of on this: we have to save the world. These titans are going to kill us if we don't actually take extreme actions. Um, lots of risk, a lots lots of death, lots of violence and gore and character sacrifice and. Then the story takes a hard left turn to try to open up the world and establish things to actually reveal some secrets. I was actually surprised how quickly in this world um, it was revealed who the Titans are and where they came from. Because like as the story goes on, I felt like the creator had to answer questions while also forcing you to ask questions. So, you know, we got answers about why there are Titans. Was it a good one? Not really. But did it lead to some interesting story? Absolutely. Was it uncomfortable and a little meandering like in the middle? Absolutely. But did it lead to an insane and over-the-top ending that I would have never predicted from the first few chapters? 100%. And I say that having read, you know, 
all sorts of manga at this point and tons of comic books and you know my years of reading comic books i would have never ever guessed the way that attack on titan would have ended from the beginning and that's not just like a oh they didn't know where they were going i think that there was a plan and a direction about how aaron yeager the main character's story arc was going to finish and i think that um isayama like kept true to that from the beginning i think like a lot of people this book will not work for. I think you can get a couple volumes into Attack on Titan, and if you can't stand the bleakness, you should just give up because it gets worse. It gets even oh, more no. depressing yeah, and dark. It's bleak. It's bleak oh. and it's horrible. It's- I will honestly, not be reading that anytime soon. Yeah, Thank I, you. It's kind I, of like the original Gundam series. It's about the horrors of war yeah. and the horrors of humanity. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you see the absolute best and worst in humanity explained in one series in a way that I thought was really, I don't know, in in comparison to a lot of the other manga and a lot of the other comics I'm reading, really, that was like refreshing in a way that in in how honest it was about just how awful and how good people can be all at the same time. So I wouldn't recommend this to someone if you do not want to read something that is extremely dark and bleak and and really touches on like societal problems like racism and systemic dictatorships that aren't dictatorships and the oppression of us of certain groups of people for past doings i mean i feel like there was a question that isayama probably had to ask themselves of like am i okay touching on this extremely rough subject in my in my story and not really coming to a conclusion on it and not really giving you any answers and not even being insightful there's a couple moments in this book where i was just like yikes dude you probably should get away from this topic because reading it in with 2020 lens 2021 lenses um even for a book that came out like four three or four years ago like near the end of this i was like these are very touchy things and the fact Mm. that you're bringing it up you have to you have to be aware that this is being talked about on a global scale um so i was i was really surprised by some of that stuff i don't think that that makes the book worse i i think it's just this book wants to gross you out in every way possible in terms of visually with gore and with just the the horrible monsters that are created in this book but also narratively to show the worst of people um and that involves a lot of different things so um yeah, I would definitely not recommend this to most people. But if you're looking for something that is going to keep you sucked in for 34 volumes and you can deal with the darkness of humanity, this book fucking rules. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how else that, to describe it. And after that, you might be ready for a Berserk. All right, be exactly. That one doesn't have an ending. Um, Yeah, so I, I read that. That was a wild ride. I really enjoyed the end of it. Honestly, truly enjoyed the end of it. I know a lot of people didn't. I thought it was great. The other books that I read uh, was Fangs by Sarah Anderson. This is a pretty new book that came out. Uh, Sarah Anderson, you probably know from Sarah's Scribbles, very popular webcomic or web strip, I should say. This is a book of a collected series of short little strip comics, like one to two page stories about a vampire girl who falls in love with a werewolf man. And they are the most modern adorable people you've ever seen like the guy is just like he wears flannel and he's got long hair and kind of a unshaven face and he's a werewolf and she's like this uh she reminds me of esther from uh giant days she's like kind of this goth almost like lolita dressed character where she just wants to look cute and goth all the time and yeah it's it's really adorable i laughed my ass off i handed it to kelly after i finished it and she came back after like 20 minutes of reading it because it's a very quick read and she was like this is the worst thing i've ever read i almost read it twice (laughs) oh so you know she absolutely loved it i i highly recommend this um it's very very fun it's a really light read and honestly 
the physical edition of this is probably the highest quality book that I own in my comic collection. It's very, very high quality. Uh, I really like that. The other last book I really want to talk about uh, is Haha ha Number Six. This is by W. Maxwell Prince, Martin Morazzo with art, art colors by Crystal Halloran. I have a really bad joke here, and I'm going to try it. And if it doesn't work, I just want to cut it out of the show. Uh, <laughs> if you aren't reading Ice Cream Man, I feel bad for you, son. This comic's got 99 references, and a clown is one. Okay. This miniseries. <laughs> yeah 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 this miniseries has been odd and nice and weird but i don't know what else to expect out of prince at this point and i'm 100 okay with that <laughs> with number six of ha ha if you haven't been reading this book it's just a it's a series of one shots about clowns um issue number six is about a clown that if you haven't been reading ice cream man it doesn't make a lot of sense uh with the some of the references that end up in this issue but it's very depressing and it all ties back to a thing that happened early in in ice cream man but if you didn't read ice cream man it's fine because this is just a depressing another depressing story about a clown uh like, i, I want to okay? say like yeah like, like every totally book fine. you've said you're like you can uh, all the things that i've read this week are about how depressing everything is like fangs is really nice fangs is very heartwarming okay okay uh but yeah haha is haha is an interesting series because i wouldn't say that it's all depressing one shots because there's one that's actually really nice uh one of them that's kind of just plain weird um one of them that is extremely dark but one of them that's kind of just a clown story and i think like if you're looking for something that's kind of out there and you want to have like a weird book that's on your comic shelf pick up this series when it gets collected because it's fucking bizarre and like I never would have thought a mini series about clowns would have been something that I wanted to read, but W. Maxwell Prince at the helm, uh, especially with the array of creators, because it wasn't just him and D- Martin Morazzo; it was him, and each issue had a different artist, and it's it's pretty cool. It's kind of a fun little book. So uh, yeah, but I like this one in particular because it had a bunch of tiebacks to Ice Cream Man, and now I just want to find Nick White and sit him down, and we need to read volumes five and six of Ice Cream Man, and then record those minisodes just because I need to talk to somebody about them, and I want to read them. I'm desperate. I just totally got that it's called Ha Ha, and it's about clowns. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Renee. (laughs) (laughs) Where was that when I made my really cool Jay-Z reference earlier, okay? Uh, (laughs) talk about comics let's talk about comics that are coming out this upcoming comics are dropping on august 4th 2021 what are you both excited for this week kara i'm gonna kick this back to you thanks mike get it together renee so my i've got two picks this week um i'll briefly do the first one because best boyfriend of the show danny also picked this one the me you love in the dark by scotty young and jorge corona And reading the description of this book, the description was literally, if you like these creators and also Neil Gaiman stories, try this. And I'm like, Mm. wow, way to sell yourself only on references. But okay, I'll bite. This cover looks interesting. This is just all of the decisions based on trusting people to believe their own hype, I guess. And then the other pick that I had, which I was a little more like, yes, about is... Um, I didn't, I think I knew this, but I don't think I remembered this, that um, DC Comics has been publishing an extension of the 90s Batman the Animated Series Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. the writers from that show getting to add more adventures to that canon. And that show was 
so good. It, like it, it led into Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, which were really like my wheelhouse when it came to DC television after after Teen Titans. But um, Batman the Animated Series was just so like, did it have to be that good? Who let them make it that good? Just like the version of Gotham and Batman's like rogues gallery that what like is what I think of when I think of uh, Batman more so than the films or the the other comics. So delightful that they're continuing um, with that with that world to have additional adventures in comic book form. And mm-hmm. the issue coming out this week is Batman. The adventures continue season two, number three. And I really wanted to write episode three. I'm like, just call it an episode. Just, <laughs> like, just do it guys. Come on. <laughs> We're so close. And in the solicit, they're just like Batgirls tracking down a villain. But wait, there's another vigilante in town. And I was like, is it Huntress? And then, then I saw the cover and it's Huntress in her Justice League <laughs> Unlimited outfit. And as you know, she's my favorite. So my notes mm-hmm. for this book are literally Huntress. It's a Justice League Unlimited Huntress in a Batman the Animated Series book. I live. <laughs> I am born again because of this book's existence. I don't even need to read it. I already know that it's great because just because it has Huntress in it. Anyway, I might I might have to go to an actual comic book store and buy this instead of waiting for the trade. I might have to mm-hmm. do that for myself. Got to get that oh cover too, right? Oh, yeah. I think you can get single issues shipped to you. Yeah, we'll get it figured out in the break. We'll get it figured yeah. out in the break. I have a Renee. comic. I have a comic shop right up the street. Like, there's no barrier to me going there. I just, I just don't, because it's not the one I grew up with, and I still have feelings about that. Mm. Yeah. Well, Renee, what about you? How uh, or what are you excited for this week? Uh, well, now I'm excited for uh, you know, care to be born again. I guess. Um. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you got on your list, Renee? Uh, well, there's only one thing on my list, as there should be, because only one thing matters, and that's the new chapter of Spy Family. Mm. Uh, chapter 51, story and art by Tatsuya Endo and their assistants. Shout out to the assistants. What up? What's Doing up? great work. Love you. Um, <clears throat> they're on a boat. There's an assassination attempt happening. There's also lots of antics going on with Twilight and Anya. And, uh, it's very exciting. If you don't know, Spy Family is about a pretend family trying to be together, all trying to do different things. The dad is a spy. Mm-hmm. The mom is an assassin. Mm-hmm. And the uh, little girl can read minds. And they have a dog that can see the future. Yeah. And they're trying to keep the peace between two neighboring countries that are going to war. And if it sounds insane, it's because it is. Wait. And is this what- so many folks on our Discord love this book, too. Uh, and rightfully so, Mike. Uh, it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. And uh, might I say, it's it's my favorite thing that's come out in the last couple of years. What were you saying, Kara? Did you, did you watch the Black Widow movie, Renee? Okay, I did. And now that you have told me the general plot of this series, I have questions for the writers of Black Widow. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, snap. I have questions. <laughs> Either way, Spy Family, read it, is dope. 
I I think it's got to be on my list next. I think I might just just power through those fifty I, issues. I, I was like, haven't you, you know, read? Haven't you read some of Spy Family? Mike? I read a couple issue or chapters of it, and I'm just I w- wasn't feeling it. But you know, everyone keeps talking about it. I probably should just get on the bandwagon. That's there's where like I'm at. there's like four volumes out. I mm-hmm. will say though, if you if the first three chapters didn't really suck you in, I don't know if you'll be into the rest of it. I mean, it was funny. Like, don't get me wrong. It was funny. It just, I think at the time I was also trying to power through One Piece. So, like, I just wanted to read One Piece. Yeah. So maybe I, you know, the thing is now that I've read One Piece and now that I've read like Demon Slayer and Hikaru no Go, like, everything is possible. Like, the world <laughs> is my oyster now. It's, it is insane that Hikaru once Nogo's you. Get- not even that long. Well, no, I know they're not huge books, but like after you get over that one piece hump, everything just feels like a delicious little treat. Like I've stretched (laughs) my muscles. So like 50 chapters of Spy X Family, what do I got time tonight? Like I could finish that up. Like that's where my mind is with this stuff. So maybe I'll have to just get on the Spy X Family thing. But before I talk any further about that and get even deeper into the crazy amounts of manga that I read on top of Attack on Titan, we do have a Discord pick. Danny, who's hanging out with us as we're recording live, his pick for this week was the me you love in the dark number one, as Kara said. And I want to say my pick for this week is a surprising one. I'll just say that it is a uh, fart night versus Minecraft number one. It's not really, but I can't believe Absolute this book child, exists. Mike. <laughs> this, I, I'm not making this up. This book exists. This is a real book. Here's the solicit that is in the previews book. Our crappiest idea yet. It's the game-breaking, server-shattering, gas-powered, explosive conclusion to the Fortnite trilogy. The player creators of the hit game Minecraft have uncovered a secret so horrible it could stain everybody's underwear. Teaming up with the best Fortnite has to offer, a quest begins that will change everyone's lives forever. Or until mom tells us to stop playing. <laughs> Mike. God. If you could only <laughs> see my face right now. I listen, I'm also cringing deep down inside of my body. My actual pick for this week is Hellions number 14, a book that you should all love and respect. This is by Zeb Wells with pencils and inks by Roge Antonio, colors by Rain Barreto, letters by Ariana Maher, and boy, oh boy, I just want to say that I love this book. I think that everybody who knows me and hangs out with us on discord and every talk backs books knows that i love this book i know i've ranted about it on the on the show before but this is a top tier book uh it's funny without feeling forced it has an extremely wild cast of characters and because all the characters aren't quote top tier they're allowed to like actually get messed up and be dummies and have ramifications they're not characters that have to be put back in the box the same way that they were you know pulled out it's it's really refreshing um it's something that i think everybody wants out of big two books but we can't get because if things change people get mad if things don't change people get mad but with hellions because these are all like b c d z list characters you know zeb wells and his you know cohort of creators that worked around him in the x editor team they're allowed to just have fun and just do a wild book about people getting murdered and plus this book works because it it plays within the continuity of the X-Men universe that has been established. Anyone can die and be brought back, but what are the ramifications of that? And how does it feel like if you lose a day or two because you didn't have a mental backup and how can someone manipulate that and take advantage of that? And we're seeing the ramifications of some of the goofiness that happened during the X of Swords saga um, come back to finally play out. And we've been hinting at that for the last couple of issues, but I'm really just excited to see where Zeb Wells takes this book because I feel like he's just killing it. 
And uh, I, I one thing I do want to say is if there are people out there who listen to the show and haven't read any of the X-Men books, um, good on you for not jumping into this cesspool with all of us. But at the same time, I'd be curious to know if someone picked up Hellions and just read this blindly without any connection to anything else because of all of the X-Men books this one really stands far outside of the inner sanctum of the X-Men universe and kind of lives on its own without but also pulls from the continuity whenever it needs to it pulls on the resurrection stuff it pulls on the interactions with the goofiness that's happening like Mr. Sinister is part of the Quiet Council so like he has a tie into the main continuity and people write him in into different comics but his main book is in Hellions and so I'd be curious to know if anybody out there has just been reading hellions uh so call me you know get a hold of me somehow i will i will now just be reading hellions because everything (laughs) in your description of it besides the greater x continuity is exactly what i like from a big two book so i have now added this to my shopping list please well it might be hard to get into the first chunk of them because i think like the hellions book was tied in pretty close to continuity and then it just after like a few issues it just fell out um because that was just how they were doing all the dawn of x books for a little while but nonetheless let's talk and get that figured out anyways we're going to take a quick break uh we do have an interview with our good friend gabe chang about his uh kickstarter for four molly number one through four really hope you guys enjoy that during the break but when we come back after the interview we're going to be talking about our goodreads reading challenge books why we picked the books that we did and some of the thoughts we have on the books that we've read from that goodreads challenge this year so we'll be back in just a second Today, I am here with Gabe Chang, creator of the Four Molly series, a multi-year spanning four-issue series that's been coming out via Kickstarter. I'm here to talk with Gabe today. Thank you so much for hanging out and talking to me about your your amazing comic book series. Yeah, thank you for having me back. I mean, I, I always enjoy coming on and talking comics with you. Absolutely. And you know, today, you know, as much as I'd love to talk comics with you, because it's it's been a blast in the past today, I really want to focus on this Kickstarter that you've got running uh, for Molly. As I said, your big series has been running for a couple of years. For the folks at home that don't know, could you tell us a little bit about for Molly? So for Molly is a modern fantasy comic. It takes place in amongst the abandoned things in the New Jersey force. It's about an antisocial talking dog named Molly, who helps a recently divorced outsider named Greg, who is a human rescue his sister from a hidden evil. So it's um, action-packed, modern fantasy story, like I said. So magical realism is another term that can be used. Um, And it's it's a story about two characters that have a lot of baggage and that um, are kind of damaged in the beginning. And then as they go through this adventure together out in the forest, they realize that they need each other in more ways than one and that that bond that can only really form between a human and a dog. And uh, along the way, they Mm -hmm. encounter feral packs of talking dogs and uh, rogue cops wielding swords and human cultists that are uh, that are very dangerous and and all the other things that that come with uh, with an action adventure story. Right. And also all the standard things that you find in New Jersey, um, you know, forests, right? Yeah. (laughs) Dogs and cultists and things like that. (laughs) Exactly. Hidden right underneath our noses. Right. This makes me very scared because I live in New Jersey now. Um, (laughs) So now I feel like if I venture out of the little suburb area, it's just going to be everything that I'm seeing in Fort Molly, right? This is all just a true to life story that you're putting down as a as a fiction, right? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I mean, well, I grew up in Jersey. uh, Right, right. uh, And I, I remember seeing all these abandoned things out there, you know, um, mm-hmm. boxcars, train tracks, houses. 
houses, junkyards, uh, just all this uh, factories, all this stuff out there. And just I always thought it'd be such a cool place to set a story. And so carrying that for years and years, um, it has has come to fruition and into formali and, and finally putting taking all those kind of arcane, magical, uh, weird elements that are out there in the New Jersey forest and turning it into something. Definitely. You know, it's funny. And I was rereading uh, the, the, the issues for four Molly one through three. Um, and I, I just love the jam packed, like amount of world building that I think you, that you've done so far in the issues. And I, I just have a million and one questions um, about like all the various characters and some of the stuff that thing that is hinted at in the series. Um, I mean, you've been, you've been working on this book for like over three years. Like um, what are some of the, the bits and pieces of the story that, that are, have been your favorite? Oh man. I mean, um, I think, you know, right now I would say because I did that, that spin off with, um, with the two side characters, uh, Schneider and Caprica, um, mm-hmm. who are advocates in the New Jersey force. So I did, um, so for a little bit of background, I did a, a, a one shot spin off short story called into the wilderness, where I took these two side characters from four Molly and, and gave them their own short story. So exploring the kind of, um, the kind of, uh, uh, Western uh, hero copy, uh, like classic Western hero um, uh, lawman archetypes out in the abandoned things in the New Jersey force was really fun because mm-hmm. it was something that I touched on in Formali, but really didn't explore a lot of. So, um, so there's a, a truce between humans and dogs out in the New Jersey forest because there was a big fight between them and then they uh, they came to an agreement, but it's very tenuous and and the events of Four Molly are kind of threatening to, to have that truce completely be blown up. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I, I can't confirm or deny whether that is what happens in chapter four <laughs> that's coming out right now. Um, but uh so exploring the the gray area between that truce with these peacemakers who are the advocates, the ones that are supposed to be keeping the peace between humans and dogs um, was really, really fun to do and um, and to think about and expand upon. And um, because uh, I, I have been working on Formali for a while, the script has been written for a while. It was fun to to go back and, and reoccupy that space and and think about, OK, like what would what would their lives look like if they had to solve a solve a crime essentially mhm mhm yeah and you know the 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 thing that that I, I know I really enjoyed that. It seemed like very action packed, the Into the Wilderness story. Um, and then, you know, switching back to Four Molly, because I was re- rereading through everything just to like get myself a little bit more refreshed. Uh, it seems for some reason, like the art that, that Benjamin Sawyer, who's who's been working on this series with you, uh, brings to the table is 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 while it is very very great it is way darker than that <laughs> which you had on uh into the wilderness which i was like you know almost was cartoony but there was still a lot of action and the same kind of stuff that you expected out of formali but the tone felt super different was was that an intentional thing on your part when you were working with uh either benjamin sawyer or eliza on, on the other book um no it, it was kind of just um something that happened because it, it it is their strengths i was i was telling elisa like dark dark shadows shadows um okay. and um <laughs> and there's not a lot of it that's kind of set at night there's a lot of it that is intentionally set in the daytime because i i like right. the idea of it it kind of being out in the open which i think is is kind of cool about about that story um but yeah i mean uh ben is just is just phenomenal at at doing those dark ominous um 
a world filled with shadow, um, mystery and danger around each corner. That that kind of art is something that, you know, he's brought to the to the book. Oh, the reason why I hired him, the reason why, um, you know, he is the artist is because I, I recognize that immediately in his artwork. And I'm just mm-hmm. I'm so happy with um, where that started all the way back in chapter one and the the pages that we are producing now for chapter four. We're a little over halfway halfway through the pages for chapter four at this point. Um, and he's, he's just like reading for Molly, um, is just seeing Ben go from being a really great artist to being a really stellar, amazing artist. Like he's just, he's improved so much, uh, from a point where that was already really good. So it's just really, really great to, to see, um, that, that, and, and I'm glad to, to, uh, to, to, to hear that it's being recognized by, by the readers. I can't take credit for it. Um, but I'm glad that you like the art. Yeah, I mean, and there's and there's a scene particularly in in issue three that I was I was really blown away by, and then I read your afterward about like how you pictured that scene. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody at home because right. I really think you all should go and read it. But um, to me, I was like, oh snap, this is like a seriously be- beautiful, well written, well organized comic, and I just I love. There's one particular like splash page that i was just like whoa like my i had it on my ipad and i about dropped it because i was just blown away by how beautiful it looked um so yeah i mean like i think this the thing that that i've really liked about this story so like in the three issues that i've read um is you know ben's art has been fantastic just and it's been consistently good and like you said he's gotten better and better and better as the series has gone on and that just adds to you know everything that makes this comic great uh so yeah i mean i'm 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 a fan. You got me. You you sucked me thank in. You. I'm excited. And, and thank be- you for saying that about that scene. That scene, as I as I said, kind of in the afterword of, of chapter three, that, that scene is very very important to me. That yeah. moment, that kind of, um, you know, not to give it away, but in, in a lot of ways cauterizes and uh, recreates, reforms the relationship between Greg and Molly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm so glad that you enjoyed that because I I had a lot of high expectations for that scene for that splash page they went through a lot of um initial rewrites from my first draft and then to see what ben did with it was just was just incredible and was just so um it, it's one of those moments i'll really cherish is like seeing that finished page for the first time like wow like this is right. exactly what i wanted yeah so you know and that that kind of uh makes me wonder you know are you getting like specialized prints or anything done as part of this kickstarter or like what what are some of the rewards that folks can expect for for the kickstarter if they go out and support it um yeah i mean there's uh, a lot of cool stuff in the kickstarter um i am i i i would say that like the the thing that i'm 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 just excited to be bringing the book out um so i'm kind of pushing the book at, at the forefront and i got some really great um variant cover artists and i think that ben's cover is is absolutely phenomenal it's my favorite cover that he's done um for the whole series honestly like i'm i'm so lucky to work and to find and to and to collaborate with all the artists that i work with that i i'm just i i i love the art i i go looking on kickstarter for for comics that have great art you know that is you know the first thing that you know the first impression of a lot of comics but so mm-hmm. I, I'm just really trying to put the art front and center in my Kickstarter. So I have Ben's cover. I have a variant cover by an artist named Kathleen uh, Abalos, who's who's really beautiful painterly style um, for one of the variants. And then I have Emma Kubert um, oh, doing, snap. yeah, doing a variant cover, and it's it's just fantastic. It is like it just captures 
the the energy and the um the danger and the and the um dynamicism that that you've come to expect from her work and just just i'm I'm very excited to get that that cover out there because it it's it's beautiful gotcha gotcha and I mean, yeah, I've seen some of the some of the you know variant covers that were in the in the beginning in the backs of of the previous issues and stuff. Um, how, how how have you you know gone about like securing all this stuff? I guess do you do you have a, a, a favorite? I guess all of all of the covers that you've done so far. I, I personally, Ooh, have that's a that tough I've question. <laughs> I have one that I really love, but I'm just curious to know if you have one that you're like, this is going on my wall as a as a print or something. Oh man, I mean, I I have been thinking about that a lot because you know now I've collected over I think over a dozen covers for Formali and. Um, are commissioned and collected. I don't have any of them mm-hmm. on my wall yet. Um, and then you add in the two that were for Into the Wilderness. Yeah. Um, I I mean, I, I I would have to say of Ben's four, his chapter four cover is my favorite of his four. Okay. Um, okay. Of the variants, uh, the the Emma Kubert one is is pretty fantastic. But also the one that my sister did for chapter three, uh, Izzy mm-hmm. Chang uh, at Izzy Chang Art on Instagram. Um, the one that she did for chapter three, which depicts the very scene that you were talking about, um, that we were talking about a moment ago, that those are, are, are probably my favorite. I it's, oh, it's so hard. Cause there's, there's so many things that I love about, <laughs> I know. about I know. The, the one that Kathleen your... did and, and like <laughs> Eugene style, the one that he did for chapter one was so unique and yeah, it, it's, it's, it's impossible to say, which is my favorite. I, I will say that uh, just that I'm very, very excited for the ones that are coming out in this Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah, I I know. I'm realize I'm trying to make you pick your favorite child out of the group, and that's <laughs> maybe a little rude of me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and then I, uh, like Colleen Palmer's variant for um, Into the Wilderness, I was just like mm-hmm. just so blown away by, and and Elise's take on on the, these characters was so beautiful in her cover, and yeah, I it's it's too much. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I and this is a great problem to have just just working with so many great artists and exactly um, and seeing my characters. In, in, through different lenses and and that's one of the things that i really like I, I hire artists and i tell them like i want to see your art style like mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. want it to be and if it's uh the the more different especially in a variant cover the more different from ben's or elisa's art the better because then you get some variety in it and, and which is what i really love yeah and i mean just just scrolling through some of the the covers that i've you know i've got into some of the pdfs now i'm i mean yeah, it's you've you've got a, a very nice bunch of, of covers to say the least. Um, <laughs> which actually, you know, I I was thinking about this. You know, are you know beyond just the digital copies of stuff, you do print copies of the comics that folks can order, right? Yes. As part of like your Kickstarters, are you mm-hmm. are you planning to do any like collection in the future to get like a very nice like all encompassing thing, or is that maybe too far in the future? Yeah, I, I do have that on the horizon. It's not part of this Kickstarter just yet. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I, uh, have plans to do a collected version, um, a trade paperback, but, but for right now, I'm just focusing on this and, and the trade will probably come, I would say like probably next year, early spring, not like right around this time. Cause we're in the summer right now. So probably mm-hmm, early mm-hmm. spring I'd be, I'd be doing a collected trade paperback. Gotcha. If only just because I'd like I'd love to see all this collected, you know. And but you know the 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 copies that you can get for the Kickstarter are also enough to to satiate my need of getting the rest of this story, which is something I'm I'm very excited about. And I hope the folks at home can can jump on board and get you know all the previous issues and stuff as part of the Kickstarter because uh, it's I, I I can't wait to see how you end this thing. <laughs> I'll just say that. <laughs> 
Well, thank um, you very much. Yeah, yeah. I, not to just, you know, just shower you with accolades, because here's where the criticism comes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess the, the last question that I was thinking about, you know, so you head into the wilderness. Um, after Four Molly, um, what's next? Are you gonna, Do you think you're going to do more stories in this world, or you've got another series cooking or something like that? I do have a couple ideas cooking. I do have something that I want to do with Ben next, and I have um, I've written six short stories over the course of the pandemic um that was kind of the my uh, some people baked bread i wrote short stories Mm -hmm. um and two of them have been produced and put on kickstarter one of them was love at first bite the second one was into the wilderness and Mm -hmm. and so i have uh more to do of that series so that's my next kind of big project that i'm that i'm doing and uh, i would love to when those come out come back and talk about it on uh ircb um of course but uh, as far as for Molly, I always had a beginning, middle and end for this story. So I've always had mm-hmm. this ending in mind that's coming up. The 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 third act did change a little bit as I was um, I, I did do a rewrite on this chapter four. So it's not exactly the same as the original script, mm-hmm. but I, I've always had this ending in mind. So I for as long as I've been doing for Molly, I, I've always been saying, like, there's not going to be a sequel. There's there's never going to be a continuation of the story. This is the the story of these characters. But. This mm-hmm. year, I had a lightning strike moment, and I and I did the spinoff of Into the Wilderness, which I never right. thought that I would do. Um, but I um, and and I really liked returning to that character because I or that world because I felt like I had a story to tell for those characters. Yeah. I yeah. Um, the idea of doing a western, the idea of doing uh, a gangster movie, kind of that uh, those those themes that you that you see a lot of in in those types of movies. Um, just was was a little bit too much to deny myself to to write that short story so mm-hmm. um you know I, I don't have plans to do a four molly sequel but i i don't want to say never you know yeah um, yeah because i never would have thought that i've written into the wilderness so um I, it's something that i'm open to doing but it really would have to be i i, I if i felt like i had a story to tell um not just for the sake of um just going back to the woods for the sake of going back to the woods right gotcha well you know and if i encounter anything crazy out here in jersey i'll let you know maybe that'll spark <laughs> some sort of inspiration we'll see yes, um please document it no <laughs> of course of course um well cool gabe this is this has been super great i'm glad we got to talk about this because i'm very very excited for the kickstarter um i guess for folks out there who are interested we'll have we'll have links and everything like that in the show notes um but for anyone who's interested gabe where can people find you on the internet well, uh, on Kickstarter, you search for Molly and it should come up. Uh, it's, it'll be for Molly number one through four, um, a modern fantasy uh, comic with talking dogs, I think is the full subtitle. Um, mm-hmm. You can find me, um, GabeChangComics.com. My social media is at GabeChangComics on Instagram and Twitter and uh, at for Molly Comic on Facebook. So those are those are all my all my handles. Sounds good. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening and we're going to jump right back to the regular show. This week on I Read Comic Books, we are talking about the Goodreads reading challenge that we have going on every year on Goodreads and our 800 plus member Goodreads group. We run a reading challenge for all the folks that are on there. 
we've got a huge list of 17 books this year. So myself, Kara, and Renee are going to be talking about the books that we picked, why we picked them, and then maybe go into a few of the books that we've read on the challenge list so far, just because honestly, we got 17 killer books this year. I'm really excited to read them all myself. I'm about halfway through the list, but let's get into things. Uh, Kara, Renee, overall, how are you guys feeling about what you've read so far without getting too deep into the specifics? Ooh, um, overall, I just want to say that having now been on this show for several years and kind of getting to know what um, our regular regular guests are into and their styles and so forth, reading the list, looking at the descriptions of the books that all of us chose, I was like, mm-hmm. uh-huh, mm-hmm, Yeah, I was reading it, I was like, yeah, that's, this seems exactly like something they would they would be into. well that's good i'm good to know that we're at least all consistent people so predictable (laughs) well i guess kara what was the book that you picked for this this reading challenge so that you too can be predictable like the rest of us Um, so predictable guys um uh so my pick for the goodreads reading challenge is by chance or providence by Becky Cloonan, which is a short anthology of three stories that uh, I I would classify all of them as kind of a uh, dark fairy tale that you don't necessarily want to know the end of. Like they're all rendered Mm -hmm. in black and white and grayscale, lots of detail. Um, Becky Cloonan's kind of earlier style with like thick lines, lots of drama, lots of shadows and really detailed uh costuming on the characters there are some there's like this one story about a knight and there's a lot of detailing on the armor that you get to see kind of close up and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. lots of lots of uh misty woods and haunted expressions and uh creatures that you associate with uh maybe like the the witchier realms of folklore and this is uh, i friggin love books like this that are just such a mood and kind of making you feel like you're reading a, a rediscovered uh, myth or a story, like something that got lost, but you could see it having been a tale that got passed down through generations. This is like the the exact reason that I like a lot of the Hellboy comics. It kind of takes this this dark mood and makes you kind of like reassess and recontextualize these these creepier uh, folk tales or fairy tales, but like not in a way that's like in your face gruesome Mm -hmm. it's more the like it's a level of horror that i can deal with because it's not so in your face it's just kind of like in the back of your head when you're so it's like if you're if you ever had a moment where you're like passing a mirror at night and you start to think like oh god is there something on the other side and then you just like squirrel under your covers yeah and try not to think about it and try to go to bed like that kind of horror yeah it's real spooky like I, i i read that recently and uh or I should say, I read that earlier today because I meant to read it before I read it this That morning. is recently. But, uh, yeah, I, overall, the entire book has just kind of got this creepiness to it, but not in a way that's going to keep me up for many nights. You know, like, I think I'm going to think about these books next time I happen to pass a field that's extra foggy and be like, oh, shit, is Demeter out there? Is she calling me back to the ocean? Uh. <laughs> like, I, I really, really enjoyed that, uh, this this book overall. But yeah, that's, I 100% agree with you on the, the level of horror that this book is. Yeah, it's like it's like a level you can handle. It's like if you're in a spookier mood when we get more towards fall, especially if you live in a place that does have 
cooler mornings, darker nights, some mist. I was going to say has monsters. No. (laughs) Yes, that too. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I don't know where you live. Is that a thing? (laughs) You actually live in a place that actually is. So Mm -hmm. this is all like candlelight and midnight and you want to be curled up in your sweater before you go to bed and sipping some herbal tea and wondering if that was a bat that just flew by your window or whether it's a ghost or like you know if you, if you just want to like feel like you want to step inside your own imagination for a little bit this is an excellent place to do that and so if you are doing the reading challenge and you have not yet read this book might i recommend waiting until october when you want to be in your halloween vibes oh yeah also is yeah. there a specific herbal tea they should be drinking accompanied with this book it depends on your preference because it is kind of more like darker fantasy witchier vibes maybe something with a little more bitterness to it so you can feel like oh am i being poisoned while you go through the book (laughs) (laughs) i like that honestly renee what what about uh, you what 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 book did you pick for this or do you have more thoughts on this this i have i just i just i really now want kara to make like drink pairings with comics Mm. Like I Kate think, was doing that, that for a little bit in our sounded, zine, I think. That sounded excellent. Yeah. Not, that sounds per- like I'm going to do that in maybe, in October. <laughs> maybe maybe Kate and I will do a, a Halloween remix tape for that. <gasps> I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> sounds dope. Renee, what about you? What what book did you pick for, for the reading challenge? Well, I chose uh, a book. It's a manga. Shocker. Uh, mm. It's called Hell Warden Higuma, Volume 1, Story and Art by Natsuki Hokami. And I read this series back when it was being published weekly in Weekly Shonen Jump, and I was uh, reading it on the Shonen Jump app. And I had high hopes for this series, Mike. It was dark, had some heart, and you know the had the vibe of a future flagship series to me. The art was very captivating. The battle system was super creative, and you know they they laid out like you know what the whole series, what he was trying to get to, and you know everything was very mysterious and. Yet at the same time, like the, there was a goal. There was there was something set from the get go. Mm-hmm. I really really enjoyed this series, and it's I, it still makes me sad to know that it was canceled. And I think it was canceled too soon. Um, but I loved this series, and you know, I just uh, I thought, you know what? Even if it's ended, people should still, you know, if they are interested to, they should still try and read it because I think it's still very enjoyable, even though it didn't get very far. Yeah. I mean, Renee, you're right on brand with this, um, with the demons and, you know, this being a manga. So, like, totally get that. Uh, <laughs> I, I read this, you know, I read this one, too. And uh, I will say that I could see a lot of just standard, hey, we're going to build on a lot of this world stuff. And we're going to hint at a lot of it in the first volume. And the big question in that book needed to be answered. And I don't know if it did, um, but I really wanted it to be um, a lot as well as a lot of the other smaller questions. But, you know, the big question of what caused all these demons to escape from hell? You know, that's I really wanted right. to know the answer to that. Right. And there was so much there was so much to go into. And it reminded me a lot of um, Yu Yu Hakusho and, you know, other series like that, where it's like, you know, they're they're battling demons, but there's like a detective like kind of air to it. And there's this big mm-hmm. mystery that they're trying to get to. And like, you know, it's trying to see you know, how all these demons are kind of creepy. But what really kind of got me into it was the the battle system because, like, he, as a hell warden, he sends these demons back to hell, but then he's able to use their powers. But then yeah. because yeah. he's, uh, you know, his ancestors have been doing this for, like, 100 years or something like that, or maybe it was a 1,000. I don't remember. It's been a while since I read it. Um, 
but you know his ancestors have been doing that so like these demons are are aware of his abilities they already know what they are because they fought you know prior versions of this Mm -hmm. and so seeing that he has to evolve and do something that maybe his ancestors hadn't thought of with those powers or something the demons haven't thought of i thought that was really cool and anytime a writer can take something simple like we know the powers here it is it's very straightforward and then flip it on its head and do something crazy with it is super fascinating to me and Mm -hmm. i think like like you know the the best version of that is hirohiko araki who writes JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, a lot of the powers are very simple, they're very straightforward, but it's seeing how these characters are able to use that power in a unique way is really cool. And I thought Hellwarden Higuma really did that. Mm-hmm. And it was I thought it was very creative. I loved the art style, and I loved the world that it presented. And I really wanted to see it expand, and I really wanted to watch it flourish. And unfortunately, that just wasn't the case. Yeah. One one note about the art in this book, I felt like of a lot of the manga that I've read recently, like even stuff that's coming out in the Shonen Jump app and, you know, volumes and stuff, this is extremely polished. Like, I, yeah. the only person I could think to compare it to uh, was the art on, like, Hikaru no Go, what's his name? Uh, uh, Takeshi Obata? Yeah, Takeshi Obata. Like, it, I wouldn't say, like, it's exactly at that level, but the level of polish that was on the first volume at least felt to almost to that level. Um, it's very, very high quality. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely understand your woes in terms of this book getting canceled. Yeah. There, but, there's been, there's been a couple over the past year since the, uh, since the show and jump amp became available in the U S and you kind of, you can see, you know, the weekly series more regularly instead of just kind mm-hmm. of, seeing what's what is just going to be published into English and what's going to be translated. Now you can see all of it mm-hmm. and kind of falling in love with the series and have then watching it get axed is really, yeah. really uh, frustrating. And a lot of those tropes that they show, you know, people overreacting, my favorite series got canceled. It seems a little bit more real, although I'm not reacting like that. I'm just like, what? Renee's going no. to school and crying at his desk before, oh. you know, first period. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, all the people at work are just like, are you crying? What happened? Look, you weren't there. <laughs> well, she my, had a dolphin my... for a dad and now he's gone. <laughs> what? That's hard boiled uh, cop. And we're not and... getting into that. We're not getting into oh hard boiled cop and dolphin ended. And I'm very sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the book that I picked for Goodreads uh, was a gift for a ghost by uh, Borja Gonzalez. I read this in 2020 on a whim. I thought the cover looked pretty. I thought that the interior art looked great. And so I picked it up uh, and I read through it in a sitting. And it's just, it's a wonderful book about two storylines that kind of cross over in really vague, non-specific ways. There's not a lot of clarity in terms of how this book, I don't know. Like, I feel like a lot of people read this book and go, that didn't really make sense about what happened here and there. But I love the ability that, you know, you can, you can take, you can walk into this book and kind of interpret it how you want. Um, I think there's some stuff that's very clear, some stuff that's not. And I think that's intentional. Like it's a very art oriented book. I think Gonzalez's art is absolutely fucking beautiful. Like there are just full pages of this book that I just want to stare at. Uh, and I was, you know, skimming through it in preparation for this episode. And I remember why I love just the way she they draw everything like uh, i think that it's it's absolutely gorgeous and I, I again i think the story is pretty good i think it's got it's very um 
emotional uh if you if you can connect with the characters and stuff but overall it's the art that really sells me on this book and i i love it to death so i wanted other people to read it and make sure that like me loving this book i'm right right like this is a solid looking book (laughs) i just wanted to get people's feedback so uh Uh, but no, really, I I, I, I don't know. I, I picked this up, like I said, on a whim, and I really just like the feel that I got from this book, and I wanted to, I wanted other people to experience it. So that's that's the long and short of it. I guess beyond that, uh, what books did you guys were you guys able to read? I think we have a couple crossover books here. I think we all read um, by chance or providence. So I don't know, Renee, what did you think of this book? I kind of gave some thoughts already. Well, uh, so I. I picked this book for two reasons. One, I like Becky Clunan's art. And two, I just really trust Kara's recommendations. Oh. So I just kind of started going through it. And I was like, I really just, the art is incredible. Um, I like reading this book. I didn't actually feel spooky. I was confused most of the time. I was like, did I miss something? No. Okay. It's very vague. All right. Yeah. We can live with that. I, I think that it's intentional, You're like lost the, the in vagueness. The mist, Renee. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Although I feel like I'm the worst person to get lost in the mist because instead of just like <laughs> having that calm, just hushed look, I'm just like, the fuck's going on? <laughs> Carrie? You're the you're the hellboy. You're just like I'm up against supernatural threats and they're all eerie and spooky and shit, but I'm just gonna punch them. That'll work. I'm just yeah, hundred percent. I'm just like, all right. It's going down. I guess this is just remember you wanted this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it was like, but I, I just, I do, I want more, I, but I want more of anything Becky Clunan makes. So, I mean, I really like Becky Clunan's art. I think it's fantastic. I do like the colors that were used. I just wanted more. I did. I did really like it. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice book to like hang out in for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I bought it uh, digitally, and I am thinking about purchasing it. You know, the physical. So yeah. the hard, the I mean, hard the color is nice, dude, the colors in this book pop though on, on, I was reading on an iPad and man, like there's a, there's a page of, of a horse. I think in the first story there's armor on this horse. And I was like, she spent all day on this fucking panel. <laughs> like, <laughs> just the intricate art. It, some of the pages are not very detailed, but then other pages it's like, she really loved something about this page and she put all of her heart and soul into it. And I, it's so apparent in this book how much she cares about the stories that she's making. And not that the stories are simple or bad or anything, but the art that she put into this book floored me in every single one. There was at least a handful of pages in every story in this book that I was just blown away by. And especially the end of there's a little like extra chapter that you get that's just like behind the scenes stuff. Some of the mini comics that she did and some of the you could see her playing around with different styles of of pages or looks of, of characters and stuff. I was like damn she she really loves that medieval england feel like it's it's so cool totally get it and like the the coloring choice on the last story you know the you know their even their skin color is is different at first i was just like oh okay you know maybe it's just you know because of the surroundings and whatnot and then the farther you get into the story i was like oh oh he did uh which is why he's so pale um <laughs> So I was like, that's, I was like, okay, I get it. I was like, I like that. I really like that. And I also love the design for the, uh, the werewolf in yeah. the first story. Yeah. Like anytime you get to see a little bit different of a, of a werewolf design to sort of see like, you know, how someone else imagines it would be something. And, you know, you kind of wonder is like, are they trying to be different or is this what they think of when they were reading it, reading someone else's description? Or is mm-hmm. this the thing that this is the way that it would terrify them if it looked like this? 
And I think seeing that different interpretation is really cool. Honestly, anytime that there's fantasy stuff with armor and swords, like you know, I'm I'm there. I'm in. I'm I'm into it. So and for sure, I don't know. I really liked it. I really liked it. I think that was. I read. <laughs> I think that this is a book you need to read. Like when when you're kind of like in that morning days, or you're in that like afternoon kind of like you know, it's just slightly after sunset. There's just hmm. a little bit of light, but there's just that touch of darkness. And I really think that has that whole vibe there. For sure. Twilight, Twilight Renee. Twilight. He the didn't fuck? want to say it. I don't know. It. He didn't want to say it. <laughs> I really uh, It's like, are you that? We're just, we're just avoiding all kinds of young adult romance novels right. now. Yes. Look, I'm not trying to get hit with a fine, Kara, okay? Kara, <laughs> <laughs> Kara, what was one of the books that you read from the list? Oh, yo, we have to talk about Cosmo Nights. This was Yo. recommended by Cinco, and everyone who told me to read this book was correct. I fucking love it. I'm <laughs> 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 uh, so glad that this this reading challenge motivated me uh, to actually read it. It's a bunch of I don't want to spoil anything. Um, basically, right. it's all this like futuristic patriarchy smashing, undermining the system, e brilliant queer aesthetics robot like mecha fight stuff like Mm -hmm. everything is just this slow unfolding of the different layers of this this world building situation that's going on and the more exposed i get to works by queer authors the more i really 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 like works by queer authors because they tend to if they're writing queer characters tend to make them just right off the bat not really beholden to any kind of pre-existing assumptions that we make about people when we make assumptions mm-hmm. about their gender and sexuality and it it was just like really freeing to read this book where like all the protagonists are women of various levels of butchness and they're all being just shown as being beautiful and romantically or sexually desired and having their own agency and like they're wearing all these gorgeous or or like what we would term sexy clothes, but it's not through like the male gaze heteronormative lens. Mm -hmm. And it was just like really, really nice to read this book and just feel comfortable reading it Mm -hmm. and not really feel like, like they, they deal with themes of like patriarchal exploitation of women and women as commodities, but not in a way that like feels exploitive of the women in these spots themselves. Like they have agency and they're making decisions and they're kind of figuring out what to do with this system that they're in. And on top of that, the art is super boss. All the colors are really bright. They do a lot of interesting things with angles and close-ups and taking some more like manga inspired construction of panels and close-ups on people's faces and it just feels more like it's shot like a movie and then you just all of a sudden are pulled out and you're reminded oh i'm in the expansive space but it's done all purple and pink and it makes me feel like i'm in an 80s fantasy and it's fine yeah this book this book floored me when i read it i i was so sucked in and i think when the book ended i audibly gasped because i couldn't believe there wasn't more available to read and just for anyone out there who's reading this and is like, I'm not going to pick it up because there isn't any more. There is more. Hannah Templar is working on more. It's in progress. I think you can read a lot of it on the Cosmonites website. But uh, yeah, more is coming and it's so fucking amazing. I love this book to death. I'm so glad that Cinco recommended this book because again, it's one of those books. Really happy to see more and more people reading it because it is killer from beginning to end. Yep. 
nothing but love contrasts yeah. directly with east of west volume one oh, no. the promise <laughs> that jeff recommended is by jonathan hickman and nick dragota jeff recommended <laughs> yeah um, and I do want to talk about this one because I don't often talk about books that are a miss for me. I really like talking sure. about books that I feel positively about so that I can get people hyped up about them. And I wanted to talk about East of West because this is the rare book where I had to stop reading it, but mm. I wanted to not feel that way. So I want to, let's do comics therapy. I want to talk through my feelings about this. Yeah, that's fine. That's so, fine. So I got like two issues into East of West. And this is a book that I feel like if you have been into comics in the past 10 years and by into comics, I mean, like you're not just here are my three or four books and I'm just focusing on these and I'm ignoring the rest. Like if you've spent time in a comic book store, if you've spent time reading a comic book blog, it, if you spent time listening to this podcast. Yeah, like you <laughs> you have you have seen the cover of an East of West book or volume. Yeah. Like you are tangentially yeah. aware of the existence of this book. And I always thought like, oh, that seemed that you've gone for multiple volumes. Clearly enough, people are buying it so that you can get to multiple trades. There must be something here that's interesting. I should read that and then never did. And then reading challenge. So here I am. So again super rare for me to stop reading something because i'm a completist i'm like no i started this i have to finish it this book starts off like really explicitly being about the four horsemen of the apocalypse mm -hmm. and they there's gorgeous art right off the bat really dramatic landscapes within the first issue you realize you're in an alternate reality where the construction of the American West differentiates from our current reality. And now you're like in the future when it's the end times and you get to see kind of a, a future dystopian look at how America might turn out right before the apocalypse. All of this I'm on board with. I am all about let's rejigger how this point of history might have changed things in the future for difference. And let's talk about the four horsemen of the apocalypse like good omens did that to superior effect let's do like, mm -hmm. this, this is a this is a thing that people revisit for a reason fine on board with all of that i had to put it down because it was so gruesome and you're thinking kara yeah. it's about the apocalypse you went in knowing it's about the apocalypse which <laughs> implies that people will die but mm -hmm. the way that even just the first few issues of this book showed it, it was like a it just felt really gratuitous like they were reveling in the carnage and i know that was the point because the four horsemen of the apocalypse are going to be all about that but right. there were just too much too much focus on bloody mangled bodies finding joy out of mangling bodies and removing hope from people and like there's like a couple pages where there's just a systematic execution of the various levels of american government i'm like uh in a post January 6th world do I need this no <laughs> no yeah. yeah so I had to stop reading it but I wish there wasn't so much focus on the gore because the bones of what was happening was really interesting to me but I'm not going to mm -hmm. put myself through that yeah no I mean east of west I think is a is a very heavy book I think when it came out like it came out in a in a time when like there was a little bit more levity to these types of things and I think right now it's probably not the best time to be reading East of West. Like this idea of the end of the world where 
everything is very bleak um is kind of tough i think yeah. so I, I don't fault you and i think i don't think there's any disrespect meant for jeff for picking this book <laughs> by any means um just to make that. sure that's clear but uh yeah i definitely get that I, that being said my plan is to start east of west volume one and then read the whole book so yeah i i read east plan. of west like a couple of years ago because xander actually told me that i would mm -hmm. like it and so I read it and I bought the first volume and I was just like, I should like this. Hmm. Everything in here has like elements that I like, but for whatever reason, it's just not working for me. It's that's how I feel about Hamilton. Yeah. That's <gasps> how I feel about, um, Oh, what that crap is their name? Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's how I feel about some bands. I'm like, I'm like, Oh sure. yeah, everything everything should be hitting all those vibes for me and it just doesn't and like i tried rereading i did end up rereading east of west for this because i keep sometimes i'm like oh i didn't like this thing maybe it's because i was in the wrong mindset maybe it's because of something sure. else i'll try coming back to it but it's just kind of like firefly i've tried multiple times i just don't think it's for me mm. not every piece of media has to be for every person totally totally Something I wish everyone who ragged on the Ghostbusters reboot would remember at any point in their <laughs> lives. Danny in the in the chat says East of West is like Hickman to the power of Hickman. And I totally agree with that. If you've read Hickman <laughs> books, you know that this is very, very peak Hickman in a lot of ways. Oh, no. Do um, I have to avoid him? He writes everything. He's so no, prolific. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because I think Hickman to the power of Hickman is the idea that of gears within gears within gears, which is his writing style. Everything is a big machination inside of a bigger machination. And until you finish the story, you don't see the full machine for like what it is. Uh, so um it, 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 you know to each their own and if you don't like no, his stuff that's, that's there's nothing wrong with that but that's uh, still end or is it still ongoing it is it is over it did end okay see i like the idea of having really satisfying payoffs of things working together intricately but mm -hmm. i don't like that i have to push through things that i don't like to get there yeah and i i think that like if you read other stuff like if you read his marvel book that he did called secret warriors i think you dig it because it's all about like conspiracies and blah 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 like it's it's really cool also it's the same type of storytelling that you see in his other books like east of west like black monday murders like manhattan projects where there's just a lot of things happening all at once and once you see them all sync up you go oh my gosh like that's just his way of storytelling so i, I don't think that all of his stories are necessarily this bleak but they do have that same level of like story construction in a lot of ways like his X-Men run is the same way. His his Avengers run is the same way. And I wouldn't say that those are at the same level of like darkness that East of West is. Okay, that's fair. So, yeah, I, I do want to throw out a book, a couple books that I read as well. Um, I sat down and read, uh, I should say, I've read some of these books earlier this year. Like I read Bang. Um, this was Nick's pick by Matt Kint. Um, Pencils and Inks by Wilfredo Torres. Colors by Bill Crabtree and Neon Kim with letters by Nate Picos. All I'll say about this, because I know that they talked about this on the previous Goodreads episode, was Matt Kent needs to finish his stories correctly because I did not get oh. a big enjoyment out of this book. I felt like the first issue was really cool. And then it felt like the book should have been 12 issues instead of five or six, however long it was. And yeah, I just wasn't satisfied with it. I mean, like, I love Wilfredo Torres's art. I wish that I, I want to read more books featuring his art. I think Matt Kent, we've talked about him enough on this show. I don't think there, we need to say that, you know, folks on the show like myself like his writing. But overall, like this book was just like a kind of a sad ending 
should have been a little bit more. I just wanted a, a, a an actual three course meal. Instead, I got just an uh, you know an entree and an appetizer. There was no dessert. Wait, so there's not going to be more of this book? I mean, I'm gonna have to I'll have to wrangle Nick and bring him on the show. Um, but I'm pretty sure that there isn't any more. I think huh. there's ties to Bang in another book that Kint is writing called Fear Case. If I'm not mistaken, I have yet to read that book though. I mean, I I read Bang, and while I was reading it, I was like, "Oh, this is this is extremely Nick." <laughs> but like, yeah, I, <laughs> but like, I I really love books that kind of take this whole "we're going to take characters that you know and love and put them all together in the ultimate team up" and very explicitly do that. Like, I, for all its problems, have reread League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm like at least 10 times so yeah. this was right up my alley for all his problems i love james bond there was a james bond character in here which was drawn mm-hmm. to look really really close to what michael b jordan looks like so now i'm just thinking yes oh, michael b jordan yeah. as a bond character michael b jordan as a bond character do it do it yeah <laughs> and there were a couple like I, I know this book was already discussed but there were a couple points in this for this book that i wanted to to talk about there is this one point that i really loved and one part that i really hated so i'll start with the bad one <laughs> the, the part that i really hated was there's this part where like within the meta narrative of this structure they describe a character that has been paralyzed from the waist down as broken and mm. since this yeah. is a really recently published book i'm like how did that get through your editor <laughs> like um, and then I was thinking, well, maybe it's supposed to show that the meta narrator of this book like, is problematic and we're supposed to get that he's problematic and not really seeing these characters as fully fleshed out humans, but as just tropes in the novel he's writing. But then I was mm-hmm. like, but is this the author? Is this the narrator? And it was just kind right, of like, right. oh, like when you've got a loose fingernail and it snags on fabric and you're not expecting it and all of a sudden you're just distracted like this one word choice just distracted me for the entire rest of the book so i was like did you have to do that Mm -hmm. anyway um thing that i really liked without giving too much away there's uh two characters who interact who sort of used to know each other and one of those characters is an old woman when we meet her and you are still told very clearly that seeing this this younger dude, like she's feeling desire, she's remembering old memories of like a torrid affair. And mm-hmm. it is so like even in a post Golden Girls world, rare to have older women be able to express their their sexual desires. And I yeah. fucking love that that was put in a comic book that also included a James Bond knockoff. Like, yeah. yes, yeah. thank you. Mm hmm. Yeah. Also, also enjoyed that Keanu Reeves blurbed the book. <laughs> yeah, the full quote on the front. Yeah. Um, Nick, uh, or excuse me, Jesus, reading notes. Um, Renee, what else did you read from uh, from the Goodreads list? I read "We Only Find Them When They're Dead," Volume One, recommended oh, by nice. Brian. Nice. And yeah, this definitely made me think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Brian, Brian would recommend this. <laughs> seems seems very Brian. Yeah. You know, and I was like, also thinking, I was like, this would make a very, uh, this this would do really well as a Netflix like 3D animated show for sure. Yeah, I love that book. I I've been reading it as single issues, and I'm very glad that Brian put this on the list because this book is 
crazy cool. Like it's such a wild concept. And Al Ewing does such a great job establishing these really interesting, extremely unique characters that all work together. And they're kind of just this misfit family. And I, I just love that in comics always. That's why I love Hellions. <laughs> I wonder if, since we keep coming back to like, oh, we all pick these books that are so on brand for us. Maybe for next year's Goodreads challenge, we have to be like, you have to pick a book that you wouldn't normally pick. <laughs> i mean sure um that could be fun I, I mean i don't know i mean but like what else is it? it's a book that you like that that like has all those likes that you know you like it for whatever reason you like it but most of those are going to come across any book that you read yeah i and guess that you want someone else to read like it's hard how do you like you I just want us all to be like, different be people like, hey. for a few seconds, Renee. Yeah, yeah it's like, hey, <laughs> let me recommend something that's completely out of the wheelhouse. Yeah. <laughs> I've never read this book, but I think you might like it. Um. <laughs> well, to wrap up the discussion really quick here, because we are running out of tape, I do want to say I, I had two more books on my list that I read uh, that I wanted to mention. Uh, I read Seven Deadly Sins. This was a pick by Tom. Um, this is by Tsei Chen uh, with art by Artyom Tarkhanov. Uh, colors by julia brusco and letters by jared k fletcher this is a tko book um and it's it's a western book that doesn't shy away from the unpleasantries of the wild west which is kind of problematic in a 2020 world um in some ways um but it also feels very much of the time of the grittiness of the time like i don't know i don't read a lot of westerns i don't read a lot of like pulp stuff but this book was pretty good in in the same way that like the hateful eight is pretty good, but also is really problematic and bad. Uh, so I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't like recommend this to anybody. But I had a an okay time reading it because it the pacing was really good. I don't. I I don't know how else to describe a middling book for me. Is that because like there was nothing great about this book, but there wasn't anything that I was like, this is an awful comic book. It just I feel kind like of was there. <laughs> yeah, I just I, really I, like. I had an okay time. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> The other book that I will mention is a five-star banger book that I, I just want to wrap up with, which is Waves. Um, this is by Ingrid Shabert, Shabier uh, probably, and Carol Morrill. Uh, this is our pick by our good friend Brandon. I, I just My description that I wrote in my notes is just fucking punch me in the face if you want me to cry because this book, I was in tears. There's something about the way that this story is told that literally brought up emotions I didn't know that I had. Like human fear welled up inside my stomach and made me cry uh, just from this book because of how wonderful it is told and i say that in like a it's not scary book it's a very it's a very wonderful book about two people in love but to me there but anyone will know you know if you've been in love in any capacity you know how scary that can be and the things that happen to you in relationships can be terrifying in the best ways and i feel like this book hits that in so many ways that I, I I can't explain it without spoiling it, but man, this book got me. And I, I'm so happy that Brandon recommended it. I think this is one of the first books I read from the Goodreads Challenge. And I remember just getting on Discord and telling him, like, I can't believe you made me fucking read that. <laughs> I'm gonna oh I'm gosh. gonna go read it again. It's it's at that kind of level. So uh highly recommend that book, but it is extremely emotional. <laughs> I will just say that. No. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go along with what Kara said earlier. Mike, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I, there's nothing better in the world than being moved by a story. Uh, also also like uh, i've seen you get punched in the face and you didn't cry so (laughs) well okay i mean if someone broke my nose i might cry i don't know but anyways i'm glad you know uh, thank you guys for having this discussion with me today i don't know if you had any final thoughts are you going to keep reading on the uh, on the goodreads reading challenge i hope you do 
But uh, what if you are, what book are you looking forward to? Or I don't know, anything. Answer oh. my questions, please. Oh, I am ready to take on what the Cates have recommended because Lamphere mm. recommended The Old Guard, which I've been meaning to read anyways because I did love the Netflix film. And Scotchless recommended this book called Spinning, which is like yeah. a like queer coming of age graphic novel, whatever. Put it in my cart already. I'm in there. Yeah. So those are... Those are two top-notch picks for sure. Uh, Renee, are you going to keep reading in this? Or are we gonna keep, we're going to keep you reading Western comics if you keep going down this path. <laughs> uh, so actually, this is really funny because originally I was like looking at the list and I was like, oh, Seven Deadly Sins. I've read that manga. And then I clicked on it and then I was like, <laughs> oh, not the same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was actually going to be like, I was actually going to read it. And then you were like... It was okay. I had an okay time reading it. I'm like, well, now I don't know how to feel about that. You should read it. Uh, and then I was, I was also looking at Cosmonites. Okay. Oh, okay. I like this. I like where this is going. Well, I'll check in with the both of you next time you're on the show, and uh, we'll see where you are with that. Wait, but anyways, when, next time that we're on the show, or the next time we're on the show together, because that could be two years from now. <laughs> listen, listen. This harsh, is unintentional, harsh. Mike. Um, um, <laughs> but before we. Before we roll credits, uh, yeah. let me just do a a quick plug for our, our merchandise, our Giant Days of Our Lives t-shirt, which I am currently wearing. Is it the nice. height of narcissism to wear a shirt with your own face on it? Yes. Today I'm yes, Kanye. Sure. I don't know what you want from me, but it's a really cute shirt because we have a really cute design check it out in our store if you guys haven't had a chance you should check out the patreon series that kara brian and kate are i think we're on like the last two episodes of it's called giant days of our lives it's all about the series giant days where kara brian and kate break down every single volume of giant days it's one of the most enjoyable series that we've put out so far i I love listening to it you guys are the best of friends as far as i'm concerned and i love i love how the show came together so um everyone should go do that and then go buy a t-shirt because it is a really fantastic t-shirt that we got commissioned by uh fido i think is their name they they did a fantastic job with the art on that so anyways but if you're interested and you have any other questions and things you want to ask us, you can always follow us on Twitter. You can follow Kara at Kara SM. You can follow Renee at Rodriguez29. And you can follow me at Mike Rappin. And you can follow every comic books at IRCB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, where I try to post some somewhat regularly, you know. Well, this episode first aired on Patreon and is possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series like the IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, Giant Days of Our Lives, and more. Join now at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show five stars on Apple podcast, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help us spread the word about I read comic books. Join the RSCB Discord community to chat comics and more and listen to our episodes live as we record at rcbpodcast.com slash discord. It would help us out a lot if you tell your friends and your local comic book shop about the show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. We can't thank them enough. Xander is a really cool guy. That's it. He also edits the show. I want to say thanks to Kara and Renee for being on this episode. Thank you to Danny who was hanging out with us in the chat and everyone out there who listens to the show and talks to us online. We really, really appreciate it. Until next time, comics are good and so are you. <laughs>